Hey everyone, it's Hannah Bayshuck with Shit You Should Probably Know, the podcast where we actually talk about the shit you're too embarrassed to admit you don't actually know. So today we have Rebecca Bell. She's an estate planning attorney, and we're going to be talking about planning your estate, writing your will, all of the things that are included in that. So before we get started, I guess, kind of talk about what's the difference between planning your estate and writing your will. What are the big two differences? And and having a trust. Like those are three things that get really confusing and I overlap all the time. The act of writing your will is planning your estate. A will is like a to-do list for someone to follow after you pass away. I want you to pay these bills and give these personal items to certain people and give this money to charity and then divide everything else up in thirds to the rest of the people. That's what a will is. Just a checklist for somebody to follow. A trust is more of an instruction book that gives you options. So if something, let's say that you want to leave some money to your cousin, but your cousin can't stop going to the casino or can't stop shopping on the internet, you can put something in your trust that says they don't get that money if they're in the middle of a bankruptcy. Or maybe they only get so much money because I know they can't handle, you know, they'll blow it. Or if you have children, you can say, my kids have to maintain a B average in college in order for me to pay for college. It can say, it gives you options. It gives you control when you're not actually there to control. So who looks after your trust and how do you appoint that person? So you and your spouse, if you have one, are the initial trustees. While you're living, you're in charge. While you're living incompetent, you're in charge. When you either become or start becoming incompetent and or you pass away, then The person that you have appointed to handle things for you is in charge next. And they get the rule book and they follow the rule book. Do you have an approval process or do they have to accept that role? Or can you just name them without telling them? That's probably irresponsible, but can you do that? You can name them without telling them, but they have an option to decide they don't want to serve. They don't want to, they don't want to do that. That sounds like a lot. And in that case, what happens? That's why it's always good to have one or two backups. You want you want a couple of spares in there just in case. Or if something happens to them or if they're too busy I think with this, their life. The, the overwhelming thing of all of this is that when you think of estate planning, when you think of the word estate, you think big houses, you think lots of money, you think the word estate is associated with like great wealth. So when should someone start planning their estate? At what age? I mean, I'm at the age of 30, my husband and I have put together recently an estate plan, but I have friends who are buying houses. They're making big life decisions in this phase of life. So should they be writing, planning their estate now, or is there a requirement to do it? If you're making big life decisions, it's time. Take your first step. Know that estate planning can be changed. As long as you're living, you can make changes. So if you decide later on that you don't like somebody you've left money to, you can change it. Or if you feel like you've been too generous or not generous enough, you can you can make those changes. 
but get something done. The other thing you said is you need a biggest, you know, what's an estate? It sounds like, you know, you need to have acreage and multiple houses. That guy on the corner that owns a bicycle, that bicycle is his estate. So anything you own when you pass away is your And you want to make sure those go in the right people's hands. I I read online, just to like say a little disclaimer, if you don't, appoint people in your will and and things in your estate, the state law determines who gets your assets. If you're single and childless, that may mean your estate goes to your parents or your siblings. This goes on and on to say your assets may go to your spouse or split between your spouse and your children. So they start making those decisions for you so you no longer have the right to make those choices once you're gone. And there are things in play. Your assets will go somewhere. You just won't have a say. That's absolutely right. So doing nothing is a plan, but it's not the plan you want. Because if you're estranged from your siblings or your parents or starting a divorce, but there's nothing legal yet, it all goes to I know that this can be an expensive process and that can also be super intimidating. So when it comes to setting your will up or planning your estate, what's your advice on how to start that process? If you are fortunate enough in your life to have a financial planner, somebody that does your taxes, if you run a business, a business attorney, what I would say is use those people and an estate planning lawyer in harmony. So instead of having everybody, you know, think of them like musicians, right? Don't have everybody playing a separate tune and not harmonizing. Have them work together because you're going to get a more comprehensive plan. And that's, if you're fortunate to have all of those, that's a really nice thing. Now, if not, there are free services, even through counties, online, a number of places. I don't know how reputable all of them are, but they're out there. If you don't have a lot, they might be a great place for you. Start by looking at what you have and making a list. That's the best way to start because you may add all of that up. I, oh yeah, I have that $100,000 in life insurance and oh, you know, I've got, I bought that CD 20 years ago and I never did anything with it. You know, find out everything you own, figure that out. Those are your assets, bank, checking, houses, digital assets. You have reward points. That's a digital asset. Bitcoin, that's a digital asset. All of those kind of things. You want someone to be able to log in to your social media accounts after you're gone. That's another digital asset. So when you think of writing the will, I was reading online about a website called willing.com. I I don't know much about it, but you know, they have estate planning packages starting at $69. I mean, it seems very reasonable. Uh, But do you need... Can we were discussing this earlier? I mean, can you do something as crazy as just writing it on a napkin, writing it on a piece of paper, and that be legitimate? About half the states in the US will recognize a handwritten will, and they all have their individual requirements of exactly how they accept that or what it has to look like. I will tell you in Minnesota, we've had some people come to us with a handwritten will, and they've gotten it notarized. And it's completely invalid because Minnesota doesn't recognize a handwritten will. So making sure you put it in the proper channels. Um, Another question I had is, what's the difference? You hear this word living will. So that's a will while you're alive, I'm guessing. 
So it's not really a will. It's actually about a healthcare directive. It's about managing your health care. The two big estate planning vehicles, documents that work when you're living are power of attorney and some sort of living will or also called a health care directive, health care something which relates to a HIPAA release so that your family can come in and look at your medical records while they help make medical decisions if you're on Say you don't have HIPAA in place. Because I know that when I moved to Los Angeles, my parents put my now husband, but boyfriend at the time, a part of my, we've added him on my HIPAA because if something happened, they wanted somebody near to be able to get in contact with the hospital. What happens if you don't have HIPAA in place? They just, the, no one can get in contact or no one can make decisions for you? Or does the hospital make those decisions? Hospitals might treat things differently. The general rule of thumb that I go by, which I don't know is valid everywhere, EMT's job is to get you to the hospital alive. And they don't bother doing searching the house for a lot of legal documents. Totally. Right? So once you get to the hospital, that's why if you have some healthcare documents, you should have them scanned in and available to all of your doctors. But again, if you're in the emergency room and you come rushing in and they're code whatever color, again, they're not going to say, oh, just a minute. I think there's some fluidity in emergency situations. But again, if it's something more long-term and now you've been sick a while. Making sure someone that you have communicated with understands your wishes no, like is a part of that conversation because I do have people that I'm close to that I wouldn't want to be in charge of my health stuff because you and I discussed it like they may might not have the cojones to make the decision that I would like for them to make or you know and I under, I know on our driver's license we put organ donor and all of that so we start making decisions the older we get about where we want our health I guess the decisions we want in our health but you know being a little bit more proactive about that. There's a famous case, um, the Terry Schiavo case, and her significant other wasn't on her health care directive. Oh. And they had a legal battle for over two years while she sat in a coma. And I was going to say, if for no other reason to do estate planning, it's because no one wins Absolutely. if you don't. And talking about other public cases, you know, I know you're super familiar being from Minnesota and the Prince case. I mean, I looked into that. He didn't have a will. And granted, I know he's a pretty, he's an overemphasized version because his estate, as we all can assume, is very large, but he didn't have an estate. He had no will in place. So the state of Minnesota got to decide where all of his assets went. And I know you spoke, I mean, it was, I read about it It was a six-year battle valued $156 million. You were talking about the taxes on on his estate because he had nothing in place were astronomical. Over $31 million in taxes, over $45 million in legal fees. I mean, the attorneys got more than the government. I mean, maybe even some family members that the estate should have gone to. And I can imagine also his family wants to be able to make decisions for his future recordings or other likeness of his that are being used. How is that? Can you put that if someone is a public profile or, I, you know, this is less relatable, but like, 
to write down who has the ability to approve your likeness? Absolutely. All of that is something you own. It's part of your assets. So if that's what you own, absolutely. Kind of getting the flip side in a will. What about debt? Can you allocate debt to somebody that doesn't want to get the debt? And all of a sudden you get a call being like, we read the will. You inherit this home that has all this debt on it. Can you say no? Thank yes, you. Yes, you can. So you can in, you can inherit an asset that has like a house with a mortgage, and then you have options. I can say no, thank you. You can pay the mortgage. You can negotiate with a mortgage company. When it comes and- to estate taxes, because we're talking about you were just mentioned the taxes on Prince's estate. How do you? I know I'm guessing taxes per each state are different. Is there any way to creative ways so that you don't get taxed as much, even if it's not a large estate? I mean, you're still getting taxed. There's a lot of different ways. So you can do research online. Professor Google doesn't always know everything, but it knows a lot. (laughs) Dr. Google, you know, attorney Google, whatever. Every state has different rules at the state level. Let's see, the federal gift tax exemption is... 12.6 12.6 million, 1206. So a married couple has a $24.12 million gift tax exemption. Oh, wow. But it's complicated and it's confusing. And even for smaller estates, there are things you can do. But depending on where you live, you might not have to, depending do you, on your Is state. Your, your estate going to be taxed based off your estate or who, say you're... You live in California, but you're gifting somebody in Kansas, you know, or is the person receiving it able to say, well, I want you to tax on my state. I'm not from California. Well, it's two parts. It's the estate itself has an estate tax, but the person that's receiving a gift, depending on the size of the gift and depending on their own income tax level may have a separate (laughs) A double doozy there. I was reading about starting a family, having children. And I was reading the um, week 23 on the bump. It's a website app. And it was saying, this is the time you should start putting your will together, making plans for your children and making sure that their assets are going to go if you want to leave it to them and that you're able to make, you know, it was saying not to leave everything to your spouse, to make sure you're putting these assets in multiple people's names. And it starts getting really morbid looking at Okay, so if I die and my spouse dies and my sister dies, and I mean, it's just morbid, you know, but how far down the list do you think is safe for someone to go? You want to make sure that your immediate family is taken care of, the people you love or the things you're And that could be your chosen family too. Absolutely. There is a question that says, if everybody in your world has died, you know, your immediate family is all gone. Who do you want it to go to? So the thing to think about is, and I will say, when you talk about children, Hannah, I don't see most people coming in with their first child. It's when they have their second child that they, they're like, okay, now this is serious. Now I really have to do it's like something. like you were speaking earlier, your trust, you can, it can be ever-changing. You can make changes to when they're allowed to receive, again, it doesn't have to be a large trust, but say that car, you know, when they're allowed to take ownership of that car and all of that, correct? Right. And so if you want them to have money to buy a house at 
25, 30. You can make a provision for that. I had clients that said, I'm not going to fund my child's life. I'm going to fund their retirement and they can have it at 55. Is there any worry about who you put as your beneficiary or the power of attorney abusing that power? Like say that they're in charge of your estate till your kids turn 22, 23. Is there a fear that they could abuse because they can make decisions on your finances? Can they start taking money out for themselves or there are rules against that? There are rules against that. There's something called a trust enforcer and that person can keep an eye on them. Now, your power of attorney is only while you're living. Oh, right, 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 right. But it's really, no, it's really confusing and people are confused all the time. So if you don't, if you're not alive to have any power, is how I think of it. I have no power. Yeah. And I can't give anyone else. I mean, the look, power. this is though this this conversation, I feel like we're we keep overlapping, but because all of these terms are so important. But I think at the and they're so they can be so similar. But I think at the end of the day, what I've gotten from this mainly is that the moment you start owning real assets and or you become an adult, at least, you should start putting together some type of will and looking at your trust and estate. And two, it's really easy to do. Like you said, there's sites online. I mean, obviously, if you're fortunate enough to have an attorney involved and financial advisor and all of that, that's amazing and they should work together. But the reality is, is that you can do this at a younger age and there's access online. Um, Because at the end of the day, like, I trust our government for sure, but I don't want them making decisions about where some really valuable things in my life, or at least valuable to me, go. And I know my family and people I love would would say the same. And I don't want there to be any tension after that. The biggest thing you want to do is prevent problems, right? I had a sister come in and say, if my brother wasn't already dead, I would kill him for the mess that he left. That's where we should leave it. Because at the end of the day, that's what you don't want to happen. You don't want to cause more of a mess. You want it to be as clear as it can. Your estate is not too small to start this conversation. Your estate, you're not too young. As If you are a legal adult, you should be able to start putting into place, even if it is writing on a piece of paper, depending on what your your laws are in your state. I mean, putting those things in order so that you are left and your family and your friends and whoever you choose is left being taken care of. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for walking us through estate planning, writing your will, what that looks like. I know we have so many more questions, but as someone who's young, who is starting to make big decisions, has friends making big decisions, these are important things. And uh, I'm really grateful. Thank you so much for joining. I'm thrilled to be here. Per usual, the information shared on this podcast reflects my views or opinions or those of my guests and is presented as a general information only without guaranteeing its completeness. Nothing in this episode is intended to be or shall be construed as a statement of fact or any legal, medical, or other professional advice. Any reference to a specific product or entity is not an endorsement or recommendation unless expressly stated otherwise. 